0: I'm sure most people would say I was mad.
1: That's a terrific goal.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Downhill Second Half Podcast. Joining me, Ian DL. As ever, a man whose editing produces better and even brighter highlights than those which briefly sat upon the head of goalkeeper Jake Cole. It's our podcast producer, James Harrison.
0: Hello, everybody. Good evening.
2: And alongside him, Finchley Central's coolest resident since Aussie centre-half, Daniel Leach, was one of the neighbours. G'day to Mr Craig Clayton. I like
3: Daniel Leach. He's he's a good centre-half as well.
2: (laughs) And, well, wow. This is the one we've been waiting for. An absolute hero of the latter Underhill years, plucked from non-league obscurity, a player who came in and set the place alight instantly. We've all loved watching him rightfully progress up the league since leaving Barnet. We're delighted to have him back with us today to look back on where it began for the fans who still adore him now. The love from the terraces for this man was amongst the most universal and unconditional that I can ever recall. For instance, last year, when I had my first child, a girl, we named her Alba. Coincidence, that's what, what what my wife thinks. Welcome to the podcast, Albert Adoma.
1: Wow, what an introduction! What a pleasure <laughs> for having you.
2: Well, you wow, know, the, the, the that's,
1: same... that's an amazing. Intro, I think that's the best
2: intro I've heard in a long, long time. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take Great that, team. Albert. Well, like we'll get, get used to it. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> yeah, no, look, we, we said you really appreciate you joining us. We're talking just before we came on that we've chased this one for a little while. Um, but yeah, so thank you for joining us tonight, and obviously. Uh, We're going to focus on your time at Barnet. But before that, we wanted to begin, I suppose, where it all began in football, really. Um, You know, the the story goes that you had a less than conventional route into the game. Um, Is it right, the sort of fabled myth, that before Harrow, you were painting and decorating and just playing a bit of Sunday League on the side?
1: Uh, Well, before I start, um, yeah, before um, Harrow, I was playing park football, street football, you name it, every kind of football you can even imagine like. Sunday football, like after that, we're all drinking, but obviously I was an alcoholic, so I wasn't mm-hmm. drinking. You know, I was playing with men at that time because I was only like 15, 16, playing power league as well. You know, that's part of street football, cage football, as you guys know now. Um pro, pro is it um power league goals or something like that. They yeah, call yeah, it. Yeah. that's what I used to play before, obviously at Harrow. And even when I was playing for Harrowborough. I was still playing amateur and combination league, believe it or not. You know, in Chiswick. that was like my local side that I used to play for, and then go and play semi-professional with Harold. To obviously, I got scouted to Barnet. So I've played every football you can ever think of. You know, before I turned professional for Barnet.
3: And so, so you, if, if 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 again, if the story continues correctly, and if. I guess a combination of Wikipedia and some some, some <laughs> us sort of adds up. You had um, you had Dave Howe as the manager at Harrow, and then if I, and, and then at one point I think an opportunity to either join John Still at Dagenham, who again an ex Barnet uh, uh, yes. manager, and then or, or join Barnet with Paul Fairclough. So Dave Howe, John Still, Paul Fairclough, all Barnet uh, heroes one way or another. Maybe you could just talk a bit about that journey from Harrow through to making that decision to, to join Barnet.
1: Well, I'll start from um, Harrow, obviously, because when I was at Harrow, I was 17, from the age of 17 to obviously 19. So when I was at Harrow, I started from the youth team, under 18, I progressed to the reserve team. Funny enough, you'll never believe this, I only played four games for the reserve, <laughs> played played four, scored four and four. And obviously, the rest was history, progressed to the first team. And obviously, when I reached the first team, it was David Howe, I don't know if most of you know him. But, yeah, he was like a second dad to me, I'll be honest with you, because if it wasn't for him, if he didn't guide me the right path, he used to pick me up to go training sometimes if one of my teammates couldn't pick me up at the time because I wasn't driving. So he used to look after me, used to obviously teach me words of wisdom because he was older than me enough to be old enough to be my dad. So I really listened to him. And I think if it wasn't for him, then my path would have been sort of different. You know, he kept me humbled, level-headed, you know, and he always used to brag on. I think one time he, he told me um, a car stopped next to us, which was a Bentley. And he said to me, Albert, I know once you turn professional, you're going to get a Bentley. And I looked <laughs> at and thought, you know what? I'm never going to waste my money on a Bentley. When it to <laughs> like, you know, obviously, true to my word, I never bought a Bentley, guys. So, <laughs> yeah, so with Harry I was actually doing painting and decorating, as Ian said before, when I was in college. And even funny enough, today I put wallpaper up in my house that I'm living in. You know, I've been spending three days working on wallpaper, decorating the house, painting, and I still got a lot to do. You know, guys, when you do DIY at home, you could take forever, but the wife is always pestering me to finish. You know, so, but I'm taking my time, you know, that's that's man's job. You know how we do things, guys. So, sorry, ladies, we can't multitask. So, that's what I'm doing at the moment, doing a bit of paint, painting and decorating. So, I guess it helps in the long run. And after Haribara, and um, before I was about to join um, Barnett, so this way we're moving on to. Um, John Steele. I didn't even know that he was related to Barnet or affiliated with Barnet, but um, he wanted to meet up with myself, my agent and David Howe. We went, we met him, I think it was at the time the pub or a restaurant in Fulham. We spoke to him, we agreed sort of personal terms. And then the week after the following week, we went to meet him in Dagnam and Redbridge. And on the journey there... Because at the time I wasn't driving. So for me, I was thinking to go from West London to up in East, up in side. it's like East London sort of. I was thinking, this is far. By the time <laughs> no, one, no one knew, but in my head, I was thinking, how am I going to commute here? This is far. <laughs> Only £450 a week. I must have just do painting and decorating probably learn <laughs> a fast in a month. <laughs> you know? so in my head, I had so much going on, but at the time I was thinking, this is my opportunity to become a professional. You know, And when we got there, I sat in front of um, John Steele at the time and it was David Howe, that was next to me, my um, Harabao manager. So we sat in front of John Steele and he said to me, oh, Are you happy to be here? I was like, yes, I'm happy to be here. So he didn't even show me around or anything. We literally just went straight to his office. And I think he just wanted me to put pen to paper. So I went straight to his office. And this was at the stadium. So I went straight to his office. And he just started talking to David Howe. And after he came up to me, he just sort of surprised me. He said, so what do you think about this club? And I went, I know nothing about Dagnum, if I'm honest with you. You This is my opportunity to be professional. And then he must have said something to me and I just thought to myself is this guy serious because he went so what do you think about this place and I said I don't know because I don't really know nothing about that and this is going to be my first maybe hopefully professional contract and he said so um are you going to sign for us so that's the question he asked me so me being 19 at the time about to turn 20 so you going to sign for us so I think maybe when he asked me that question he thought me like yes I can't wait to sign so I said Oh, I need to think about it. This, that's my ni- 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 just being naive, basically. So I decided I need to think about it. And he said, What do you mean you need to think about it? So if I was to tell you the deal was off, what would you do? So for a manager to say that to me, and at the time I'm just a teenager, so my reaction was like, Well, hold on. If you tell me the deal is off, then I guess there's no contract. <laughs> I wouldn't really. Deep thinking, I just thought, well, he just asked me a question. If I was to tell you the deal was off, what would you do? So I'm thinking, well, if the deal was off, then it's off. I'll just go back to Harrow and play and hopefully get scouted. That's what I said to him. And he couldn't believe it. He was taken by surprise because he thought I was going to say, yeah, I can't wait to sign. But I just said, well, I need to think about it. I need to go home and probably tell my mom, my dad and others and say, look, I'm going to go and sign for Dagman. But he just wanted me to sign. And then when I said, well, I need to think about it, and then he just said to David Howe, you know what? Knock some sense into this young fella. I said, you the room. So I guess he's old fashioned. He left the room. And then David Howe looked at me and said, Albert, it's your choice. Whether we want to sign for him or obviously go back to Harrow and see what happens. So when David had David Howe spoke to me, I said to him, "Dave, I'll be honest with you. I can't sign for this man. That's, that's how simple I kept it. I didn't even say, oh, this is wild. This is, I just said, look, you see his reaction? He said, knocks some sense into this guy. And I said to him, what, all I said to him was, I need to think about it. So something is not right here. So I said, look, I don't want to play for him. And then maybe 30 seconds later, he came back in and he said, oh, so what do you guys think then? And then David, obviously being a man, spoke to him, said, look, Albert said, look, it's not the right club for him. And he, he said it. And he's just going to go back to Harrow and see what happens. And obviously, John still wasn't happy. So we just said to Housie, all right, I can still show you guys around. And then I just said to Housie, "Now it's all right, we just go back. And then we just literally, we left obviously in a good manner. Obviously, he's probably upset, thinking he lost the player. Or maybe he's probably thinking, oh, just another waste of talent or something. Only he knows at the time. So we went to the car. And this is, I don't know if it's God's work. I don't know if you guys believe in God or anything. We literally sat in the car. We just left Dagenham, and my agent rang David House. How did it go? Obviously, he's excited. He's trying to get me in the mood. And David said to him, oh, Tony, I'll be honest with you, Albert wasn't happy with it. And he said, you know what? Don't worry. I'm going to call Barnett now. I'm going to call Barnett. I'm like, what do you mean you're going to call Barnett now? Because I didn't know how it worked. This is my first ever agent. I'm still with him, my agent. So he said, don't worry, Albert. Don't worry. I don't like that guy anyway, but obviously use.'" different words you know <laughs> <laughs> disrespectful but he used other words you know in a bad manner so he said don't worry, albert i'm gonna call barnet don't worry, he lost out and then five minutes later he ran back and said albert tomorrow we're going to barnet to sign this was like deadline day or something like that i think i believe it was the 31st of i don't even know january 2008 night season hey you know, and obviously the next day, I, I spoke to Paul furclough and said, "Come, I'll show you around the club." And then that same day, I signed. You know, and it was it was so strange when we pulled out to the car park at the stadium. I parked in Bay Seven, so that's where I got my squad number from. Bay <laughs> Seven. Obviously, I didn't park there. and David Howe parked in Bay Seven. We spoke to um Paul furclough He introduced me to loads of people that I can't even remember. And he just went on and on. He's a wonderful person, Paul club His introduction to the club was amazing. He sold the club to me. I didn't even know about it. I'll be honest with you guys. Like I was thinking, oh, just another team in. League two, I'm going to tell. But for me, I'm just thinking, yes, I'm going to sign a professional contract. That's I wasn't thinking this is Barnet, the player under Hill. That's where Arsenal reserve play. I was, I didn't know nothing about Barnet apart from I think it was Anthony Thomas because, yeah, up, um, where I grew up around White City, so I knew that he played for Barnet. So um, i just cut the long story short. So when Paul Fairclough spoke to him, he said, oh, you know anyone in Barnet? I said, ah, I have no clue. I just live in Shepherd's Bush, you know. Just, oh, I know someone that lives um, close to you, one of the players. And I wasn't really close with Anthony Thomas. So obviously he picked me up for training and then from there we took it. But yeah, so on that day, the 31st, I think it was a Wednesday on deadline day, it was the longest day of my life, but worth it. Because I got there, I think nine a.m. I had done a medical. I never done a medical before, so I didn't know the procedure, the process. went to the doctor clinic. They just touched me everywhere. They even touched my ball bag. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> me. This, this is I didn't even know what to do. I felt so uh, uncomfortable. Like the guys touched me down there. I'm thinking. Is this allowed, right? <laughs> you know, going on, you know, I like I'm just there just to be tested on my heart scan, my legs. So he's touching me down there, i <laughs> you know,
3: it's, it's the people, you know. Never done worse it, than John Steele. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: know, so the, the doctor's touching me down there, everything, examining me. I'm thinking, is this how this works? Pro-life, you know, but I didn't know. So yeah, Barney was wonderful. I met the chairman, Tony, and even since this day, I still speak to Tony, you know, and it's just amazing. And Paul Fairclough was just, like, wonderful to me. You know, he guided me. Even some of the players used to laugh, say, oh, that's your dad, that's your dad. because <laughs> yeah, He's the one signing, he showed me love. And obviously, I showed my display, what I was capable of to him and the supporters. And, yeah, that was it. But, like, signing the professional contract for Barney was just amazing. The best, I keep on telling people, like, for me, That's the best moment in my career. Forget promotion, you know, that's an achievement. You know, like working hard, playing park football, you know, doing painting and decorating in college. You know, that's something like plan B to fall back on. Maybe football didn't work out, but signing for Barnet was, like, from my heart deep down, was just the best thing in my career, you know, and I think if I didn't sign for Barnet, only God knows where I'd have been. But I think it was meant to be, because turning down Dagnam and then... 10 seconds later, my agent said, Don't worry, I'll call Barnet, and then everything just went from there. You know, it just it was just amazing. Amazing. You know.
3: I know James is, is keen to ask a question, but I almost feel like oh it's... sorry that was bubbling on. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're fine, yeah, man. I'll you carry on. <laughs> it's oh, me sorry. interrupting that's the problem, but I just feel like it's impossible to to to, to move on without maybe just reinforcing what you know, from what it sounds like, what an unbelievable guy David Howell is. I mean, he's not your agent and he's the manager of the football club and he knows he's going to lose, you know, not speaking out of turn, probably his best player or certainly one of his best players. Yet he comes with you around London uh, to make sure that you get the support you need uh, to to, to find a club for you. And I just think that almost deserves a moment. Just What what an unbelievable thing uh, to have a a manager like that at a non-league club.
1: No, definitely, you know, and I don't think that goes on nowadays. I guess some teams and managers, they think about their jobs because that's the main thing, that's the main priority. If the player does well, it's more like the club's benefit, really, and they just sell them on and obviously the club will profit. But with David Howe, even just two days ago, Sunday, I actually went to see his son play football for the first time, which, which he actually impressed me. His son is a winger, so it's actually nice to see another winger trying to cross the ball. You know, usually you don't see wingers. Everyone wants to cut in and shoot now. Nowadays, whereas I'm, I call myself old-school fashion winger, winger, where I go out, cross, and, you know, from my Barnett days, I think I was the only one crossing the ball, providing. And you know, I still do that, you know, till now. So it was wonderful to see him just last Sunday gone, you know. We still keep in touch. And I think if it wasn't for him, I'm telling you the truth, like I would have went a different way, you know, for a manager to actually appreciate a player, and he's the one that actually came to my house at the time my dad was in Africa, came to my house, sat in front of my parent, my mom, and said to him, and said to my mom that, look, your son's got something special here, you know, and, you know, like, obviously you knew that my mom was from a teaching background, you know, my grandmas, my late grandmas from a teaching background, and they wanted me to go through, like, the education route, like, obviously be a teacher or maybe, God knows, something else, a doctor or something else, but... David Howe saw the potential and actually came to my house and said to my mom, look, I think your son got something good going on, just encourage him and see where it takes him. And even this since this day, my mom still speaks highly of him. And my mom only met him once. <laughs> Not no, seriously, my mom only met him once. And my mom even went to um, his mom's funeral, um, David Howe's mom's funeral, you know, and you know, things like that. You know, he's like a family friend to us now. You know and if it wasn't for him to sit in front of my mum, I wouldn't be talking to you guys right now. You know, so he, he has a big role, you know, to play in my own footballing career. You know, so well, I always well, show that respect. You know,
0: well, it's, it's a terrific story. Firstly, just talking about David Howell in isolation with his connection to Barnet, and then obviously the way that he sort of tutored you through those early days at Harrow into, into becoming a professional footballer at Barnet. Um, it's and it's also great to clear up the story about the whole Dagenham and Redbridge versus Barnett situation and, and yes. hearing that, hearing that you know, firsthand because I think there's been various rumours doing, doing the rounds over the years about how that all came about. Um, we were trying to work out actually just beforehand exactly what day it was that you signed because when you made your debut at Hereford, um, yes. f- fact fans will, will know that Barnett had a terrible record for many, many years at Hereford. And uh, when we turned up there on a Wednesday night, we weren't overly optimistic about our chances. Um, And we looked down the team sheet when it was announced and your name was on there starting. You obviously just signed maybe a day before and people weren't sure what to expect at all. Um, But I remember this because I was there. I was one of, I don't know, about 50 Barnet fans there that night and Craig, I think, as well. And uh, what we saw in front of us, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the show, but it was one of the best Barnett debuts I've ever, ever seen in my time going to the club. Uh, maybe Guy Lopez at Morecambe would have a bit of a shout as well. But your, <laughs> your performance at Hereford was incredible. You got yourself a debut goal. And if I remember correctly, I think you set up the winner for Nicky Nicolau late on in front of us at the uh, at the other end of the, at the um sort of stand behind the goal. Um, did you expect things to go so well so quickly that night? I'll,
1: I'll be honest with you because obviously stepping up a level from four leagues below Barney, it's not just like conference or, you know, National League and then straight into League Two. It was like four leagues where it's like semi-professional, really. So you work and you play. And for me, my first week, the training session was actually intense. For I can actually understand... The fitness level even though i knew i was always fit at my club but this was different kind of fitness like a mental sort of fitness i can play football anyone can play football but right? just keeping up with a pass just being sharp knowing when to pass the ball because at my previous club at harrow i just get the ball around with it dribble around with it dribble i didn't think about pass 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 you know and obviously david howard installed something in my head saying oh, when you step up a level now you're a winger because before i joined brownie people didn't know this I was actually a striker, and then when I reached the Harold Brown first team, because there was four strikers there, they are older than me, so David House sort of pushed me on the wing because he knew that I was fast. So he just said, run down the wing, cross it in, and then that's it. So that's what I used to do, and that always stuck with me because sometimes when you create, people see your creation side. And moving on to Barnum, my debut, that same week, I think I was supposed to play. We were supposed to play um, Peterborough or something like that. A game got postponed, I believe or not, which I think I was going to be on a bench. So that game got postponed, and then we played the FA Cup against I think MK Dons or something like that. Was it Bristol Rovers? The fourth round game, where it was the, the big crowd under. Him? I
0: something think it was. like, something so, like something that. Something like that. Yeah.
1: It, was, it got postponed. So and then um, we played MK Dons or something like that, and then after that. I think the Hereford one, um, I was told I was meant to start, which I was surprised. I thought I was going to be on the bench, come on. And w- once I knew I was going to start, something in my head just told me that, look, Albert, this is your professional debut you have to go out and play as hard as you can that's what I was thinking I wasn't even thinking play well <laughs> believe it or not it's not like play I'm going to play well I'm not going to lose the one thinking, just do everything that you do at Harabara that's that's why they signed you that's what I was thinking I'm thinking if I get the ball I'm just going to be direct and I think my first touch I just touched the pass the defender I can actually remember vividly the ball came on my back foot. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna dribble past this guy. I didn't even know who I was playing against. I didn't even know no names in league two, you know. And that was the beauty of it, because they didn't know who I was. They're thinking it's a new sign-in from you non-league. Know, he must be just fast and that's it. So and um, for me, my first touch was so positive that after I got the ball, I just knew I had that left back in my pocket, you know. And that's the truth. I just thought, if I can do that. Why not? Just carry on if the ball comes. And that's what I was doing, dribbling, going forward, trying to provide. Obviously, I was losing the ball a few times, which was normal, because obviously I was trying to impress. But I knew that once I had that left back, that was it for me. That's where I knew if I could do that every game. That's what I was thinking. I always think about next game. So when I play well, I'm thinking, yes, I played well. I want to start next game where maybe some players don't think that. So once I had the left back in my pocket, I'm thinking, yes, I've got a chance to start. Next. Even though at the time, I hadn't scored, I haven't even scored yet. So in my head, I'm thinking, yes, I made my debut, I could start the next game. So that's that's always my sort of target, but pe- supporters don't know this, you know. So and players that I played with never knew this. I was thinking, yes, if I play well, then the manager can't really have an excuse to say, well, I can't select you next game. Because I know, and you know, the supporters know that I played well and that was always like my little target and obviously I was playing well and then I happened to score a lucky goal But those of you that don't know this it wasn't a beauty goal or everything I think um, Cliff you know Cliff must have um, shot and I happened to just, I was just being busy. I was just running. <laughs> I was just trying to impress him. I know Cliff must have shot from 25 yards. And I happened to be just running past. I thought he was going to slide me in. Greedy striker. I thought he was going to slide me in. So I just ran across the shot. And the ball obviously shot so hard, hit the back of my heel. And it went in. So I thought, yeah. <laughs> I running off and obviously it's my goal because the way it came off me and it took a massive deflection I was thinking yes I wasn't thinking yeah I scored the debut yes I've made it I was just more thinking yes I've had a good game so I'm going to start next game and from there I think I started all 22 games because I joined January, and for me that was like another milestone another achievement coming from Non-league football, semi-professional football. I'm playing every game. You know, when I mean playing every game, starting which some people don't really appreciate that. But from someone unknown quantity, you probably say, probably think, who's this guy? He just runs with the ball. But for me, I thought, wow, achieve something here. You know, because when the season was done, I think I was even voted um young player of the year or something, but I missed out because of something because I only joined halfway. They couldn't give me the award or something like that. So they gave it to Josh Wright or something like that. But I think they, they really wanted to give it to me. So I was thinking, wow, that's a nice thing, you know, and next season, same thing. I think I played 46 games straight, you know, um, some people might not see that, but it's like my little mini target that I always set myself. If I play well in the first game, the next game, in my head, I know I'm going to play. I don't care how training goes. I'm just playing well and knowing that the supporters can see that and, that's, that's how my career started at Barney, you know, just playing well my first game and just progressing. I think even the second the third season, I played 46 or something games as well, you know, which was amazing you know And then obviously Barney tried to time it now and then I have
0: to <laughs> move on. <laughs> yeah. well, come stop it.
2: What you were saying there about the next game thing is really interesting because sort of the next thing I was going to say was that after that Hereford David, you took to League Two, you know, like a duck to water. You were absolutely like flying, scoring goals, assists. Like you said, I mean, I wouldn't have known you played every game to the end of the season, but I remember you being heavily involved and and being a part of the team straight away. Um, and it sounds like, you know, that, that process in your head of building that confidence on confidence on confidence was kind of what did the trick. How much as well was the team around you key to that? Because that first team you played in at Barnet for that half a season is about... The best finish we've had in 20, 21 years, and there's some really good players in there. How much of a factor was that, do you think, into how quickly you settled in?
1: I think I settled. Um, I settled in well because the group of lads were just amazing. You know, like Jason Punch, I think Ashley Crew, um, Joe Deck um, David De- De- um, sorry, Joe Devera. You know, um, there's so there's so much uh, names that I can go through. Obviously, I have to really think. You know, like even Joe Deveri. You know, like. Names that just comes to mind, you know, they're very helpful because obviously some of them come from even lower leagues to come there as well. and I know some come from academies and whatnot. But they're all like very down to earth, no big timers at the time. And even when I drove on it, I heard that I think something hatched some something Hatch have left the club. One of the yeah,
2: gone to Peterborough.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something left. Obviously, I didn't know of him, but that's what everyone used to tell that story. He moved on to bigger things. Jason Punch is the next one to leave. And for me, it was just a great privilege that I actually played with Jason Punch my first season. And you could tell his talent. He moved on to, I think, Blackpool or Plymouth or somewhere. You know, and the team, yeah, we had a great team, you know. My first season was great. I know I only played half a season, like you said. You know, Kenny Gillet is coming to mind now the players. <laughs> you know? Good guy, funny guy, you know. And, um yeah, so we had a good team. And I think the likes of the good players, they sort of helped me as well, you know, even though we sort of struggled a little bit. But for me, I think it was just more like a personal goal. Like I said to you, just trying to play well. I didn't know who I was playing with, I'll be honest with you. I knew that there was very... I knew that, obviously, I'm coming to a better team, better players than me, you know, and that's one thing I had to be so humbled about and sort of show the players that I'm going to work with. I always call the players my colleagues, their work partners, they're not my friends, you know, so that's what I always say. So I'm just going to play well and stay in the team. I don't care how my colleague trains, I'm just going to train well, play well and be selected for the next game. That's always my little mini target. And I think from there, I think it all took to me. And they can see my hard work, you know, my graft. Even if I'm not playing well, I'm still trying to give my all. And that's one thing I always look at thinking, you know what? I'm not just playing rubbish and then boo, get off the pitch. Even if I'm playing rubbish, I'm still making tackles. And I think that's one thing that I always stood out with other wingers. You know, when wingers are not playing well, oh, he's having a bad touch, he's having a bad, bad game, you can't beat this. But for me, if I'm having a bad game, I'm still tracking back and defending, helping the team. And that's one thing I've noticed when I moved on to different teams. That's, um, that's why I'm always in the team when there's other wingers in the team because I'm always still tracking back. Even if I'm not playing well, I'm still helping the team defensively. And that's one weapon that I, I've always had. You know, And hopefully for the new generation youngsters, if you have that, you stay in teams, you know, like James Milner. I always tell people, I'm, I'm just steady-headed like James Milner. Uh-huh. He's, he's still there. He's still playing at his age. And sometimes people might not see that but there's a reason why he's still playing, you know, and that's 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 my um, aims. that's my um, target. Sometimes, you know.
0: I think one thing that was really clear, and something that Ian mentioned earlier on, was your relationship with the Barnet supporters. Um, obviously, <laughs> that 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 first night at Hereford, um, was, as I described, one of the best des- debuts I've ever seen. And I remember distinctly the the uh iconic. One word, Albert charm being pointed at you and shouted aggressively over that barrier at Hereford, <laughs> um, and you know you've obviously gone from playing for Harrow, where you're playing in front of a couple of hundred, then suddenly you're thrust into playing in front of crowds of a few thousand. But your popularity with Barnet fans was almost instant from the off, and actually I think you're probably one of the only, only one of the few players that had. I think three or four chants over the course of time. I think there was a song to the Macarena at one point and then a, <laughs> a, a Madonna song uh, uh, and everything else. So, you know, you've gone from playing for Harrow, which presumably was quite a little bit more reserved in front of uh, the crowds um, to being absolutely idolised by a couple of thousand point supporters. What was that like for you, Like that, that relationship with those supporters at that time?
1: I mean, well, like you said, when I was at Harrow, I was only playing like in front of maybe 50 and 100, but like the biggest game at the time that we played, and I think that's the first time I actually played in front of a big supporter was against AFC Wimbledon. You know, and we played in front of 3,000 supporters where I was just having butterflies and adrenaline. I'm thinking, what do I do? Like, I can't play rubbish here because there's people watching. Even though the supporters like AFC Wimbledon supporters really had like 50 um, Haribar supporters. It was just like amazing. The full stadium, thinking, wow, what a nice stadium. I can't wait to be like professional, play in front of like crowds, like Full House, you know, and Obviously, that feeling sort of gave me a little bit of like an eager, ego thing, like say, you know what, if I can play more in front of 3,000 and I step on to the next platform and I play in front of maybe, I was just thinking a bit long-term, 10,000 supporters. Then, <laughs> no, I'm, I play in front of 50, 50, now I'm playing in front of 3,000. For the first time, i thinking, surely if I play well here, then I can play in front of 10,000, 10, 20. And obviously, I happened to score. Winning goal, but the best goal guys I've scored ever. I was against AFC Woman and I still got this DVD, but no one's seen this yet. apart from moment, believe it or not. That sent me the DVD, and it was against. It was in front of three thousand supporters, the biggest crowd I played in front in the league and which is the best feeling. So that game in like sort of hope and coming to Barnet, making my debut, scoring like I was saying. For me, I scored, but I wasn't thinking. Oh, the supporters love me. I was just more thinking about the next game. I'll be honest with you. And obviously, the supporters talk to me because of what i done. I scored on my debut with a flu goal, but it's still a goal-winning goal. So, it was just amazing. And from there, I was hearing chants. I was thinking, I never heard people singing Albert oh, Domo run down the wing at Harrabara. Now they're t- saying my name. So, I was getting home telling my mom. Oh, the they singing my, name, my the singing my name, can you believe it? When I touched the ball, the whole stage, I, I can't believe this, you know? And like I was just, I don't know, I was so excited, obviously the supporters, didn't know this at the time, but I was just going home, telling my mom, telling my grandma, and then when my dad calls from Ghana, I'm like, they're singing my name, you know? I can't believe it. <laughs> You know, and it was just it was just amazing, you know. And when I used to hear that, that actually gave me sort of boost to just run down, just with no fear. And I don't even remember, I used to tell this to people, some of my friends, I actually told them, look, the Barnett supporters love me so much, even when I kick the ball out of play, they clap for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, I think. So. <laughs> listen, listen, I'll be honest. I, I used to say that to my friends, even I can dribble bars, five people, run down the ring, Across the ball and it's out of play, they'll still clap for me. But if it was any other player, they'd be like, Boo, <laughs> I thought, wow, this is from then I thought, wow, this is just amazing, you know. And I just I just couldn't believe it, you know. I'm thinking, how could someone kick the ball out of play and you're still cheering for him? But I think they could tell that I was always working hard, trying to provide, and that's that was the difference. Maybe another window just dribble, kick the ball out and then do something rubbish. Maybe I'll dribble, kick it out and do something creative. And that was the difference. They saw my hard work. And for me, that's the main thing. See my hard work and people appreciate appreciate my hard work like the supporters did at Barnet at Underhill were just surreal, amazing. And I think the club just gave me a wonderful platform with the support. And one thing, guys, that I have to say, I don't know if the supporters is listening. There's an old guy we played at Chesterfield and we we're losing, I think 2-0, 3-0 before the first half. And the ball went out towards the supporters, and he must have shouted, You guys are rubbish. And I must have turned around and he said, You too, you rubbish guy. And then I was angry at the time because I think we were losing. Why is the support supporters shouting something at me? So I must have given him the hand up, which I was very, very wrong. And I hope that this guy is listening because I don't know if he's still alive but I hope that he forgives me because that's one thing that I regret in my career like showing a foul language towards my own supporter you know and I felt really bad after the game but I think it was just a heat of moment thing and when I look back still I still regret just even putting my hand up, even though I've got 592 pounds you know it was, still, it was still painful but it just I regret just swearing at my own supporter and I hope that this supporter, deep down, can forgive me if he's still listening. I can't. I can't remember his name, but I did apologise to him. But I just want the whole supporters to know that obviously sometimes players get emotional at a time where I'm thinking we're losing and the supporters shouting something at me. So just the heat of the moment. And I hope that this supporter forgives me if he's still listening.
0: It's amazing you remember remember that incident. I. I now, I'd forgotten it to be honest, but I... so, yeah, it sticks
1: in my mind because obviously it's been paining me for years, you know. And that's one thing that I actually regret at Barnet because everything was so perfect and for me. I think I made that negative, you know, even though people might not see that side. But to, to be
3: now, fair, think... we, we, we've talked about many, many controversial subjects on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always felt uncomfortable speaking on behalf of any other supporter than myself, but I think I can confidently say on behalf of all Barnet fans that. You really don't need to apologise, and actually, I'm bye sure bye. I'm apologising to
1: that, that person in particular because obviously I don't know if he's still alive now. Because obviously, I think he was an older person. And for me, I'm always brought up not to disrespect your elderly. If you know what I mean, it doesn't matter if they're older or younger, but still, you shouldn't disrespect. That's your elderly, fair
3: enough. I think know. I think it's fair to say. Um, you know, maybe the odd moment aside, I think Barnet fans understand what a journey what you are. To
2: <laughs> the positives done. outweigh the negative, I think. <laughs> I think that's fair to no, say. I, pre-
1: I appreciate that. I'm pretty I sure that's the case. I appreciate the love, obviously, that Barnet supporters gave me when I was there for the free season They were just wonderful. The club itself, the chairman, like I said, Tony, he's been doing a great job. And obviously, my last season, we moved to the Hive. Which was a which was a wonderful training ground. Nice, I think that was the best facility I saw at the time. You yeah. know, before we I moved on to bigger things, but it was just amazing. You know, and he's done well for the club. You know, and I hope that obviously the support store the supporters still give him the backing. I know the team is struggling at the moment, but
3: I'm sure in the future they'll still do well. Well, I, look, I mean, Albert, look, talking of, um, you know, people that went on to great success like yourself, and there's another name I'm sure will come up in a minute because I think he's probably someone we associate with you more because you played again together. I think he had a birthday the other day, but we'll come back to him in a second. <laughs> uh, but Jason and you already mentioned as well. Um who, who went on to have an unbelievable career. And actually, we had Paul Fairclough on, on the show. And he he actually said he was the one player who he, he thought should have had international caps for England and really could have gone on and had a big uh, England career, had, had maybe some other things not gone against him away from football. Um I, I just wonder what what it was like for you at that time being part of, you know, we already mentioned the squad, but playing alongside a player of of, of that calibre as well.
1: And that's what me. For me, that was like one of the best players I played with, you know turning professional, and I was thinking, who's this left footer? <laughs> and when I was playing on the other side, because he used to play on the left, I used to play on the right. And I think he actually prefers playing on the right so he can cut and shoot because he had the best shot. He used to take all the set pieces, everything. Basically, he was the star. He was the main man. And for me, like I just loved playing with him because we had a sort of understanding. I remember once, he wasn't faster than me, but he was more clever, obviously technical, was playing at high level than me. And I could sort of see what he was going to do because when he used to see me on the opposite side, he can pink a ball from 60, 50 yards and he'll still find me. And then obviously i just do my bit, run with it and cross it. Whereas he used to pick the passes, shoot, and he'll go in, you know. Whereas I used to just get the ball, run, cross it, and then maybe I might just get that odd goal. Whereas he was more like a creative midfielder, passer because just an eye for a pass and he was the star player in the team even though I was there for him just half the season everyone knew he was just he's going to move on to better things bigger things and like you said he should have got caps for England but I guess I can't speak for him personally but I guess maybe it's his lifestyle God only he knows but I can't I can't really say anything negative whether it's his lifestyle or not but I guess it's what other managers see, but he played in the Premiership and I'm sure he had a great career. And I think he's still playing in Greece or Cyprus somewhere at the moment. Absolutely. You know? so, I mean, he's still playing, so he's done well for himself. And for me, when I was there that season, he was the best player there, hands down. You know, he was the yeah. best Jason Punch was the best and everyone knew that.
2: Yeah, well, as Craig sort of alluded to there, we went from one winger to another. So Punch and left, and not long after, we replaced him with, at the time, a little-known player called Yannick Bolasie, who obviously has gone on to be Yannick Bolasie, the thirty million-pound winger. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he's someone who you know you'd probably not call a colleague because obviously you met up again at Bristol at Villa. So you have played together at three different. He's stalking me. He's stalking <laughs> me. He's stalking me. <laughs> <laughs> But it's um, interesting to that with punch because I, I think with Balassi is the one that we always think of where there was like the partnership because you could really tell that you two had kind of hit it off, maybe off the pitch as well. Um, you know, how, how did that how did that dynamic work on the pitch? And as well, so the that, other question I had about that was yeah, so who I, uh who I, was
1: I'll playing. just with punch for just a brief spell, because obviously when I joined it was punching that was the start, like I said, and obviously I was the other winger or sometime. I think it was um Nicky David Nix, Was it Nicky Nicola or something like that? Nicky Nikola. Yeah, yeah, well, sort of sometimes, but I mainly was punching myself because obviously I was doing well, so I was starting every game. And we just had that understanding, you know, because when I used to cross it, he knows he's coming in back post, so he might just take a touch shoot and then goes in and I'll get my assist. Whereas he doesn't really, he could dribble, but it's like once he beats someone, he's just looking for that pass. And sometimes obviously he's not fast enough, but he's clever enough with his pass. So he can find a striker, and like I said, he can just ping it to the opposite, and then he make the box and then shoot from the edge of the box and score. And with Yannick Malassi, we're just literally just us just sharing cars, me picking them up, because I passed my driving um, test, I think that same season, you know, or this, now the this, this following season, because I turned 21, so for a year I need to um, start driving, so I passed, and then when... We signed um, Yannick, and I think he wasn't driving at the time. So he lived close by, I think, North London. So I used to drive, pick him up on my way to um, training. And we just started bonding from there. You know, we just became good friends. Like I said, we are colleagues first, because I didn't know who he was. You know, he came, and then we just started playing together. Obviously, we were doing things together, and then we sort of mingle And then before you know it, we're still playing, we're scoring goals, he scores, I score, we start dancing. I think he's the one that
2: Whose idea was that, the
1: dancing? um, I I love my dancing anyway, but um, Yannick sort of got that out of me in a way because when we used to share room, he used to play loud music, believe it or not, funky house and... That, at that time, funky house was like the in thing, you know, for the youngsters. Yeah, I was young at once. <laughs> we used to play funky house. Oh look, I'll, I can, I can do this move, we do that, and then obviously we took it from there. And then there's another sort of dance dance style, Zonto, where I come from is Ghana. That's what we do, a little movement, and we just said to each other, look, let me score. We need to start doing dance, you know, and then from there it was just, yeah, we just connected, we started dancing and then we used to go out together, you know, go out partying, yes, you guys didn't know this, He <laughs> <laughs> was used to invite me to some of his birthday parties or his friends' parties, because I wasn't socialising a lot, but if he did invite me, because I knew he was a good friend of mine, I used to go out, and when I used to go out, I didn't drink, you know, and some footballers were very surprised, you don't drink, I'm like... You no, know, i don't drink i just drink my sprite my lemonade and i'm around right, i've got sugar so i can start moving <laughs> dancing like he's drunk he's drunk i'm like no nah, i'm not drunk i'm aware of everything so yeah with yannick we just had a great connection great understanding and he was he was very talented i, I actually told him once you guys might not believe this we're playing i was at the i was the star when Puncher left i was the star yannick come he wasn't the star he knew this I told him, look, Yannick, you're actually going to play Premiership before me. You know, if I was to tell you this, you guys will never believe this. But if you ask Yannick, he'd probably tell you, actually, yeah, I remember you telling me this in my course here, you know,
2: Albert.
1: <laughs> 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 what I see, you're going to play Premiership before me. Because I could just tell by his persona, things that he used to do. I was thinking, this is different level. You know, even though I knew I was the star of the team and a new player come. I still thought, no, you know, this guy's talented. He's just a few years younger than me, but I could just see it. Maybe the supporters might think, oh, he just lose the ball, just run, knock it out, lose the ball. Like I was saying before, he probably knock it out and the supporters would be like, boo, where I, I knock it out, they'd be like, oh, yeah, because obviously I'm the star of the show. But, yeah, with Yannick, I just knew something. And even when he came at, um Bristol, when I moved on from Barnett, same thing, he wasn't even playing at um, Bristol, believe it or not. You know and Yannick can tell you this like I was the main man playing every game and this Albert you never get injured do you you know this is my <laughs> own question. <friend, everybody. laughs> but obviously he wants to get so, Albert never gets injured you know this is just like obviously when I played at Barney I played every game you know even if I was in and out of the team I still play and then Bristol you come there same thing so Albert what do you, what you do? What do you take? Like, you never get injured. I'm like, I don't know, I must be doing something right. I'm living my life right, you know? And obviously, I think he had a bit of a frustration moment at Bristol. And then, we went with Crystal Palace and the rest was history. And that night, we actually beat Crystal Palace, I think, 4-1. He handed in the transfer request. bianic handed in the transfer request. Next morning, he went to sign for um, Crystal Palace. And they were struggling. Before you know it, I used to check out result. Yannibalasi, man of the match, Yanni Balasi, man of the match. Gianni... I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And then they got promotion. Imagine that, you know, which was amazing. And I, I just felt his joy as well when he rang me. Every time he used to call me as well, we didn't get the man of the match. He used to rub me bet I'm not the match, I'm match. <laughs> guy, you know. But yeah, it was, just, it was just amazing, you know. That's what friends are for. I actually spoke to him just three days ago as well, you know. So, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. We're still friends. I went to his wedding. So, yeah, we're still good friends. You know, we always keep in touch. You know, and when he came to war, you know, we're very, um, yeah, we're very close. And he deserves everything that he's got. And he's doing amazing still with my old club as well. You see, I left Middlesbrough. <laughs> he might probably come and join me at TPR. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, yeah, good relationship with um, Yannick, you know, very very good, you
0: know. Yeah, even though we uh, we had that, I suppose, dynamic duo on either side of the the wings with with yourself and Yannick. Yeah. Um. That, that first full season for you, the the team, the results on the pitch weren't as good as maybe they could have been. Um. There's a few highlights there for you on a personal level. I think if you remember the Bournemouth away game where you got both game uh, both goals in that game. Um, were there any like other at home, you know? I watched that back every time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> were you were you feeling like really settled at this point? And were there any were there any other like real standout moments from that first season, uh first full season as a pro?
1: I mean, like obviously I had half a season, so I sort of established myself, I got my name out in the league, you know, and I think that sort of helped because like I said to you, I didn't know half of the players I was playing against. I remember um Paul Furkle, i it. Just this, lift back you're going to play against this. Day. I'm like, okay, okay. In my head, I was thinking, like, okay, who's he? I don't care. Is he one part? Is he slow? I don't care if he's fast or slow. I just want to go and play my football. And that's one thing that I think helps as well because you don't know what the person's going to give. So you just think, I'm going to take you on. I'm going to destroy you. That's why I used to think, I just want to play around, play next game. So I don't care what you're going to do. I want to make sure you look bad. I want to make sure I want to be on top of you. Like I say, if I'm having a bad game, I still track back and even tackle the left back. And then they'll probably think, why is he tackling? You know, so that's me having a bad game, actually tackling, (laughs) you know, so, so that's the difference. That's my mindset. But for me, my first season playing 22 games was like amazing. Like I said to you, I didn't think I want to play every game, even letting them, letting them start on my debut. I thought I was going to probably be introduced 10 minutes and then maybe play the next game. But playing two games was amazing. And then the next season, starting 46 games as well, plus I think cup games as well. I think I told you I think I played about nearly 50 games or something, or 47, 49 games or something that season, you know, playing FA Cup for the first time, first round, I think against Watford or something like that, I remember, you know. I was like, wow, this is, like, amazing, you know, and... It just I think I established myself like my first season, half a season. So that's where the supporters took to me. Like I said, my second season, I was like the main man, even though the team wasn't doing great. I just knew I can't, it's, it's weird, I can't do anything wrong, you know, and it was just, like I was telling you, I used to kick the ball out and for the supporters to cheer me, were just like on rule like you know I used to make jokes you know to my friends like I used to say to you just like amazing that's when you know you've got the love you've got the understanding that I'm working hard they appreciate it even though the team weren't doing well you know but yeah it was just it was just amazing and even my third season was the same thing as well sort of like similar you know I was still like the main man because even when I handed in the transfer request at the time I didn't even know what a transfer request is if I'm it I just thought I just want to move on you no. Know? And even David was day. I think he's the one that I actually wrote the transfer request, guys. <laughs> the <laughs> one that actually wrote the transfer request for me. I'm like, what's the transfer request? What am I supposed to do? This morning, you you want to leave the club, so you have to tell them right here. <laughs> right, what? Right right now, I want to leave you. I'm like how does that work is that what professionals do transfer because you have to write that you want to leave but i just told the club i want to leave this now nah, you have to do it a formal one i'm like oh okay you write it then. i don't know what to write i don't know where to start <laughs> <laughs> And i still got this um i still got i had to handwriting myself obviously copyrighted but i just still got this image on my um on my, comp- on my computer, on my savings, you know, it was, it was fun reading about it, I think, oh, it was very great to be at the club, thank you for giving me this opportunity, <laughs> and I think it's time for me to progress to the next level, now it's just funny reading about it back, it it's just amazing, but yeah. I don't,
3: think, I don't think many fans think about those kind of, the, you know, the, you know that it's, it's those things that happen that footballers do that you never really think about because you only ever think about the, Saturday afternoons and whatever else. But um, yeah. one of the things we were interested in was that you know you, you signed for Paul Fairclough, and, and I think one of the things you said was when you when you met him and you came to the club, you felt instantly maybe that you were at home or at least in a place you could be comfortable and enjoy football. And then. And then a very different manager with Ian Hendon was the other other sort of main guy that you you, you played under and, and would have been around. I was like <laughs> <Yeah>. Ian. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, this is one of the things <laughs> that we wanted to know. I mean, it's, uh, it's really a different situation. And, and uh, how was that for you?
1: Uh, listen, I can go on all day. I don't, I don't know if you guys got time, but yeah. So with Paul club, like I said, like he was like another dad because that's what the players, you see, I look at... T- I remember like on... Um, when when you do Secret Santa, they actually got a picture of myself and Paul Furclough and they put the heart thing around it. Obviously, obviously was at the time, but I was still young, so I didn't understand football banter, because obviously this is professional. I'm thinking, why would you get a picture of me and a man and Paul really inclined, you know what I mean? But I've got nothing against gay people, but I was thinking, whoa. Why would you put a picture of me and a man, put a heart shape? But I didn't understand it, but then now looking back. So, yeah, teacher's pet. Oh, it's your dad. But he guided <laughs> me. All, you know, poor fair He guided me. And I even actually took the time to actually speak to my mom Because he used to ask me, would you have for breakfast? I said, no, nah, I just have Snickers or something sometimes. I'm not really bothered about eating. So, no, it's going to help your performance. I need to send an email because, obviously, he's more like a teacher. I was thinking... Who's this man? Why, why, why do you know what I'm eating? I don't care what. I, eat. I just want to go and play football. This is but You need to make sure you're eating the right food. You just have chocolate bar. I can't believe when you come and train, have chocolate bar. I'm like, yeah, that's what I have. I just have my chocolate bar. I just want to train. Because for me, I'm still thinking football just fun. Even though it's professionalism, now you need to eat right I didn't understand that I have to wake up, have cereal, have um, oats, and I'm thinking, I don't know, just go to work and just have fun and come back home and sleep. Um, you no, know, you need to make sure you need to do this. But when you go to the next level, so you sort of guided me in the right way, you know, and that's where some of the places, yeah, teachers, pet, and because I always listened to my elders, like I said, you know, and he actually took the time out to actually talk to my mom and say, look, your son needs to eat well and this and. Obviously, sort of benefiting me in a way, but I always showed that love um, to Paul club, you know, and he helped me, you know, and that's that's very good. And like you said, Ian Hendon was the assistant at the time, and yeah, he he actually put me in tears one time, you know, because that moment, like I said, that like, um, Chester or Chesterfield when we played and. I done that thing to our own supporter. Uh, he actually told me you need to go and apologize, you know, because that's how he is. He's a bit stern, you know, like a bit, you know, I don't want to use words, but so you need to go and apologize. You need to go and apologize. So obviously, I went to apologize and then we went in the change. I know he wouldn't even mind me saying this now, but I we went into the change room and said, You, you blah, 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 beep, 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 beep. You know what I mean? <laughs> Hold on. Why are you shouting at me? Because I'm thinking I've got nothing in my head. I'm thinking, yeah, I saw a supporter because he's shouting at my team. So me, I'm thinking now I'm defending my team. Our own supporters trying to put... Because I didn't understand supporters at the time. I'm thinking My own supporter is putting our team down. Why would he do that? He should encourage... Because that's my philosophy. You have to encourage people. I don't care if you're a supporter. Your team is playing, support them. After the game, you can say, yeah, you're rubbish, you can whatever, but not during the game, so that's okay. Hold on, I'm defending my team. You can't be effing this, this, that, against your own supporter. I can't believe you've done this. This is disgrace to the club. I went, why are you shouting at me? And obviously I was angry, so I'm like, I'm into that. This is the moment where I lost my head. I don't even want to play no more. I
3: was
1: like, big baby. I don't want to play no more. Like, oh like because I, I, want no I wanted to shout at him, but I didn't know how to express myself. Because obviously I was young. I was like, why is he shouting at me? Why is he shouting at me? Just angry. I don't want to play no more. And then obviously after that, Paul Verklund put, put his hand around me. He oh, don't worry. That's what happens in professional football. He explained it to me. And a hand same thing. He explained it to me. Like, come on, son, if you want to play for us, you can't be doing that to the supporters, you can't be doing that to the fans. And obviously after that, I was thinking, oh, and then Paul fairclough left. Who's the manager?
3: <laughs> 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 I
1: was thinking, oh my goodness, why him? In my head, obviously, at the time, I wasn't saying that to him. I was thinking, oh, of all people, he just showered at me. He doesn't like me. In my head, that's what I was thinking. But obviously he liked me so he still carried on playing me and obviously there's this time in the team where he left me out and then he still put me in but it was, it was just funny moments you know and even there's a story in preseason because I was the fittest guy there I and mean, we must have had like a, some guy that came who he was a runner guys we were doing like laps runner of because usually I just leave players overlap them so this guy was my match so this guy just come, he's trying to impress to get into the team because he's a trialist. He can't play football, but he can run. But I can play football and I can run, but this guy was a runner. So I'm keeping up with him. I'm out of breath. I'm thinking, this is too much. I can't keep up with this guy. He's nearly overlapping everyone, but I'm still behind him. But I'm thinking, he can't overlap me. So I'm going going. So we're finished now. And then the Hendon, I think it was Gary Breen at the time, the centre-back. Yeah, yeah, he called me and yeah. into- said. Oh Albert, you weren't taking preseason serious. That should put me in tears. I was thinking, what do you mean I wasn't taking preseason? Because usually when we're doing the runs, you're on front, but this time you're laid back because now you think you're the star player, you can just jog around, and this guy just come on trial and he's running past everyone. You're just chilling behind him. I can't believe it. So in my head, I was this guy's crap. Sorry, I became a play football. You just come and run. But I can play football and run, but because I couldn't keep up with that guy. they I was in training, I was thinking, nah. And I was thinking, I'm disappointed. I'm like, nah, I can't believe this. I was actually in tears talking to them. I said, nah, I can't believe it. Like, what do you mean? I've been running. I'm still training hard. I'm doing this. And this guy come and do one trial. And he's running past everyone. You're telling me that I can't keep up. What do you want me to do? I'm not a robot. So when they put me into I thought I was going to play. I thought I was going to play for him again. And obviously... I played for him again, and I actually met met him again when he left to go and West Ham. We played against West Ham when I was at Bristol City, and we just started laughing, joking, and Hs just well, was the goalkeeper, so goalkeeper coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I met him the other day. I think he was is it Preston or Luton or something like that.
2: Is it Wickham now? I think. So, yeah, Wickham, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I met him. We were just joking. So yeah, it was it was good times. So it was good time, but yeah, it's a big contrast. There's one manager that I think there's more calm and there's one that's just angry, <laughs>
3: calm, <laughs> angry,
1: calm, you know, Berkler, Ian, Berkler, yeah, so it's calm and then angry man, you're thinking, why? Wow, he just wanted to rip people's heart out, that's what it's felt like, because obviously he's like an ex-pro, so it's more coming out, at the time I didn't understand it, someone said, nah, he used to play football, you know, he used to play football, so I was thinking, oh, that's why, because there's a teacher and a footballer, you know, so that's a contrast, you know, so I'm thinking, why is he so angry? For me, I'm always calm, I'm always laughing, chilling, but why is this guy so angry? Is he stressed at home or, but obviously I wasn't saying that so in my head, there's so much going on, I'm thinking, why is the manager so angry? You know, so imagine when we lost the game. <laughs> 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 Imagine when we lost. Oh man, the contrast between him and Paul Furclub was just, oh, was crazy. But don't worry, guys, this is Paul Furclub. Don't worry, guys, next game, we make sure we put it right.
3: Guys, what the F is he <laughs> The
1: supporters pay their money to come and watch this nonsense. Are
3: you crazy? I can't believe this. So that's the contrast, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's
3: the, well, that's the best answer to that question. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's,
1: that's the contrast. But yeah, I guess there's passion. But obviously, Paul Furclub showed the passion, but it's more like managed. Whereas this is a footballer just showing passion, just aggression, just oh, I don't know. So that was the difference between both managers. I still love them both, guys. I still love them both. They're just amazing.
2: Yeah, we're coming towards the end now, but I think, you know, into that last season, (laughs) when when Ian Hendon was the manager, um, we did have, despite what sounds like a bit of a tumultuous pre-season with people crying and everything, uh, the actual start to that next season was probably the best Barnett did in your short time, we went top of the league early on, and we can't have you on without thanking you, I think, for a weekend, which was kind of (laughs) Albert's weekend in Torquay, so if you'll let let us indulge a bit, we played Torquay away quite early in the season, we won 1-0, You scored a goal, I think, straight from a free kick that kind of bounced straight in. Yeah. Um, And and also a goal that was disallowed for offside, which was given really late, where everyone went mental. We are all behind the goal in fancy dress. People dressed as morphs. Some idiot dressed as a banana. Uh, We had this amazing weekend. We're celebrating your goal. We're staying at a hotel, a load of us near the ground, and there's a bar outside with a massive sign at the front of the bar, Albert's. Like, we've seen (laughs) that picture somewhere. All of us outside this bar with Albert's. Like, it was a perfect script for that weekend. And uh, I think it was like. sort of... Showed like that, as you said, the main man of Bonnet at the time. I mean, like we said, the start of that season was brilliant, and then we just fell off an absolute cliff, and like you know, it almost yeah. ended in, in relegation. Yeah, well, just what what happened to that team because we looked so good at the start, and it was almost an awful ending. Yeah, I think it was
1: just very strange. I guess obviously Ian was like the new manager, so everyone was trying to impress, try and play well, try and stay in the team, and obviously he yeah, sort of like knew some players that he wasn't going to select, so some players are like negative minded sort of towards him and he sort of knew that he doesn't care because obviously now it's not Paul fair club he's the main man so he's going to select whatever players he believed that he's going to select and his philosophy was different because it started working like you were saying beginning like the first 10 games we just playing beautiful football amazing football and then it's just something just I don't know. There's other stuff that went on behind behind scenes. Like I know Ian might not see this because sometimes managers don't see this. Like even sometimes we might do something like every Friday where we do like crossbar challenge just for the fun of it. And because we weren't doing well, he told us to stop doing it. You know, and everyone's thinking, "Well, hold on, why can't we just carry on doing it?" But for the manager, he might not see the enjoyment from the players. So it's like, well, you're already losing. a Sort of like a not a battle between players, but you're sort of like thinking, well, if things are not going well, you can't have fun, you know, but maybe we might need to have that fun to sort of bring things back to how it began, you know, and it's like he's trying to stop everything that was fun behind the scenes and then it sort of just went, all right, we can't even laugh, we can't even do things, so it's like, well, whatever happens, happen. it's not that negative attitude, but it's more towards the manager in a way where he might not see this. Now he might listen think, Oh, that's what the players were thinking because we're having crossbow challenge, the loser will buy drinks for a away journey and things like that. That's, that's something we sort of do, whether we're winning or losing. And obviously for him, he's thinking, why are they mucking about when we're struggling? You see what I mean? Whereas we we're doing that before when we we're losing, drawing, whatever, but now it's like, well, we can't have fun. And that sort of I don't know, just put the atmosphere down, you know, there's no excitement. Even in training, it's like, well, is that what we're going to do for training? Oh, let's finish training and go home. It's like basically everyone just want to finish training and go home, you know, and that was it, you know, and sometimes when football happens, I've been at clubs where obviously you have having fun and you just go in and then there's times you have having fun and you dip, but Marnie was like a drastic dip, dip, and nearly went to um, the wire, or you know, relegation, it was just very unfortunate and i think the fur club come back again just to, yeah uh, the
2: last two games
1: last yeah. two games or something like that you know and i think i think that was good as well that he came back so it sort of like lifted the club you know and it was good it was good and that talk ego i still remember that one you know i still remember that one so it was it was good it was very good
0: well good. um we'll send you the picture because when Ian's talking about people in fancy dress he's talking about us so we were dressed up <laughs> We were dressed up in orange suits, but Ian, Ian uh, dressed up as a banana. I just want I to call that outside. out. But we'll we'll send you we'll send you the picture of that. And we'll send that you the that
1: picture of, was funny as well because I think it was a poor furlong that was playing that game as well, and I think um, one of the um, Torquay supporters were giving them stick or something, and he said um, the supporters said to him, "Oh, you rubbish, rubbish, this, that, that." Obviously, bad words. And then Paul looked at him and said, how big is your house, son?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> obviously, at the time, I was in processing if He thinking, what do you mean, how big is your house? But obviously, you see what I mean? Because I was young. What do you mean by that? Because I didn't understand it. But I him, thinking, what do you mean, how big is your house? When the support is cussing you, he's cussing you to the teeth, and you're rubbish, you're this, and all you turn around say, how big is your house, son? After, thinking, you mean by that? But obviously, I thought, wow, that's amazing, and I think, oh, okay, you got enough money like that, yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, it was funny. Uh, that that was the best comeback. Well, at the time, I was thinking, what is that? But yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll we'll find that picture. We'll find the picture of all of us. We'll find the picture of Albert's bar as well. We'll send that over to you. That would
1: be nice, though. That would be nice.
0: Uh, Like you you said, um, that season did almost end in disaster. And it became very much a barnet thing that we were staying up on the last day. That season, was uh, we stayed up on the last day against Rochdale, if you remember. Albert Jarrett Jarrett scored scored in the last minute to keep us up in that game. Yeah, um, Albert.
1: That, well, yeah. That's another good friend as well, Albert Jarrett. You know, Albert Jarrett. Yeah, I actually felt bad for him. I was I was saying the story because when he came, obviously I was the first Albert. I like, <laughs> Albert Albert number two. Albert 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 number two. I came, oh, that's the I say, <laughs> so you're Albert number two now. I'm Albert number one. So there you go. Why do you change the yeah. name? That's what I used to say to him. Why do you change? Your name?
0: <laughs> the original, the original, the original, the one and only Albert. Yeah. Oh, it's funny, you know. Um. um but yeah, that that game actually where Jarrett did score in the last minute, um, it turned out to be your last game for the club. Um, did you know at that point that that was it for Barnet for you, or, or was it something that just happened in that summer?
1: I mean, like after that game, obviously I know it's a disappointing season. I still thought I'd done well that season as well, and. Um, i remember tony saying to myself and obviously my agent saying look want to keep albert here and the funny thing is i actually got a letter posted through my door and i didn't even know what it was it was actually a contract saying this how much you're going to earn and i looked at it, I was thinking why did they send me a contract you know and my contract's done now i'm going to move on and they actually tried to keep me at the club you know, Tony tried his best to try and keep me in the club. said, Look, we're going to offer you this amount of money. You're going to be the highest paid player. And I didn't understand it. So my agent went, Oh, they want to keep you there for a certain amount, just say a thousand pounds, you know. I was thinking, Is that the highest paid player? Obviously, I was earning less, I think 200 or 300 pounds. I was thinking, Wow, this is amazing, you know. And I know obviously my agent said, Look, Albert, we can go into bigger things. So he spoke to Tony. And then after that, they sent me another letter. I think I even went on Facebook at the time because that's when I used to be on Facebook. And I said, guys, guess what? I've got a new parcel. Guess what it is? And I just said it's a new contract from money or something like that. And then obviously, um I saw that another um writing contract saying written contract saying highest paid player, would never offered over a thousand pounds at the time. I'm sure Tony wouldn't mind me saying this, but yeah, they offered me over a thousand pounds and I looked at it, I thinking, wow, obviously I'm thinking this life changing at the time. And um my agent said, no, Albert, we can move from here. And obviously you're gonna play a higher level. You've done what you needed to do in League Two. So it's only right that you move on. You know, if if you go higher, and get less than this, I'm sure you're gonna do well and get more, you know. So we believe in you. It's just, just about the time that you move on. this three seasons, three wonderful seasons. Yes, we had that ups and downs, but it was just amazing. And I, I thought I'd done one well with League Two. I established my name in League Two because I think every time I used to go away games after my second season, it was funny. Every time i look at the match, that's the first time I used to go in the changing room. Look at the um program, star player, star leg. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's where I thought, yeah, I made it. But the players didn't know that. Because what I used to do, I used to cut the program and obviously give one to my grandma, keep one with myself. And she used to read it, and there was this funny moment. And I'd start player, start player, start player. Play I'm like, let me look. <laughs> I just put it, I didn't even read it. I just put it, I was like, yeah, I want to take one home, I'm going to take two home. That's when I made it in League Two, you know. Because when I had to look at the programs when I first went, it was when we go away game, punching, unbelievable, talent, them, best winger in the league, blah, blah, blah. African. Wow, that could be me one day, you know. If I keep on playing like him or trying to be like him, obviously not like him, but if I'm playing how I'm playing, I'm sure I can have my name in the program, you know. And that was it. When I looked, I'm thinking, wow, yes, I've made it in DT, you know. They're writing about me, and even I used to be out of newspaper. I'm like I made a newspaper, I couldn't believe it, you know. Yeah, I actually used to go out of my way just to buy a newspaper just to look at an article where I think, oh, is that what they write about me? I'm paying. 50p for this, just of two paragraphs or something, maybe two, just a paragraph, like mini. If you can pay 50p for this, I just wasted my 50p smartphone. So imagine if I had a smartphone, obviously, I could snap it, but I've been on a no camera, so I had to buy it 50p, which was my pocket money at the time. But obviously, you know, (laughs) yeah, just, just one of those
3: and i guess that was the, you know the, the end of your time at barnet and um and i look i think again i think all barnet fans that i've ever spoken to were only excited for you and have followed your career uh, through and always always wanted to you, you know to see you do well in everything you're doing i think that's always been the feeling um one one of the things about that i think was that you always felt like one of us you always felt like um, you had values and you, and you said you're very humble in everything you do. And you always just seemed like you were loving it as much as we were from the side. And I think that was exciting. You've talked a lot about family this evening and the importance of them to you. Um, and also now we see on Instagram, a lot of the stuff that you do with fans and you again, look <laughs> after the, the children and uh, you would always talk about the elderly and people that can't do the skills themselves and all these things as well. And I just think, um, I think there's, there's so much about that and your values that Make you such a such so loved at Barnet and so loved everywhere you've been. Are those are those values things that, that you recognize in yourself and, and are important to you through your career as well?
1: well I appreciate what you just said about me because obviously sometimes I can't really judge myself. Only another person can judge me, you know, like my character. Obviously, God will judge me in the future, but only um supporters can judge me because I'm I'm a footballer, but I can only sort of present myself in a well-mannered way, and that's the way I've always grew up, you know, coming back from a strong background, you know, having both parents there, so it helps, you know, it helps, you know, and for me, it's just being humble, and being being humble, and that's the main thing, you know, just respect people, treat people, how you be treated, you know, and that's what I've carried on during my career, you know, even my teammates or colleagues, friends, I treat them the same, it's shouting at them, I tell them in the right way, just criticising someone, you still have to say it in the right way. it's just the right manner not just aggression or just shouting just for the sake of shouting you know sometimes that's what players do but i don't believe in that it's just how you adapt yourself or how you approach people and that's what i've been and like you said my social media i always give challenges out to guys that don't know it's Anx 37 if you want to follow me or if you want to take part of my challenge and i'll, I'll give it to them um, it's a platform for me just to express myself, like what I do, like when I'm off, just doing a little bit of skills. That's something that I used to do before I turn professional. Not a freestyler, but it's technical skills. And I just do challenges just for anyone, you know, any age group, freestylers, non-freestylers, disabled, non-disabled, people that can just do do something or express themselves, they're more than welcome to take part in the challenges. And I think for me, just my background, I'm just presenting myself well, I'm just being uh, Manning, not ill-mannered.
3: Well, I think we'll all be taking part in one of your challenges soon. How about that? <laughs> I think I'll say that. On my <laughs> the only thing is,
1: I'll be, I, 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 I tell you a secret. I only have one Barnet top, and that was my debut top, and that's framed. So I'm not giving out no Barnet tops unless if I buy one in the future. So, guys, <laughs> I'm, I'm very sorry if you take part in my challenge. This is firsthand. My only, one and only Barnet top is framed in my man cave. So I'm not giving out Barnet tops. There's other tops, like other clubs that I played for. So if you love me, if you follow me, <laughs> one of my other stuff, even the skills football, or my skills slippers. That's what I do skills in my slippers, so you can win that or other signed stuff. So sorry, Barnet supporters, no <laughs> shame. But that's the only top I got, and that, it means a lot to me. So it's framed. It's not. It only came out of the frame once. I had to break the frame if we were still in it, believe it or not. It was already framed like 15 years ago or something like that. <laughs> I actually ripped out the glass frame. I had to buy a new frame, guys. So you guys owe me money, actually. Well, so I'll tell you we'll, 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 we'll,
3: put, <laughs> we'll put out an appeal now to anyone listening. If there's anyone listening that has an Albert Adoma original shirt, then uh, I'm sure you'd you'd love it returned if it's possible. So I'm gonna, we'll just put that out to everyone. No, i
1: honest with you. I don't think I gave tops away because they were charging fifty pounds, and you know, I did fifty pounds. a lot. So arm and the leg. So I'm not giving that top away.
2: We've got we've got a story on that. We, we weren't we weren't going to out our, one of our mates, and we I won't say his name on the air, but one of our friends literally took the shirt off your back at oh, Rotherham away last game of the season and you were saying 50 pound 50 pound but he, yeah, he see, wasn't listening you know, see, it's uh, it's you're a not going to track that down I don't think yeah
1: 50 I'll tell him <laughs> but I don't think you'll see I it away, but it wasn't free at the time you know one time tried <laughs> to grind you know you know try to make it you know <laughs>
2: <laughs> well look it's so like we've taken up lots of time I just want to wrap up just kind of very quickly acknowledging what you've done since but I've had to write it down there's so much here yeah so since leaving Barnet, Bristol City Player of the Year in your first season, capped by Ghana versus Brazil just a year after leaving playing at Underhill, played at a World Cup in Brazil, won promotion to the Premiership in Middlesbrough, played in the Prem for Middlesbrough, not enough times, but that's another story. <laughs> Signed Aston Villa, got them promoted to the Premier League, represented Nottingham Forest, Cardiff, massive clubs, and now your career kind of come round to all oh, those full circles where you started in, in life back in West London at QPR. Um, I guess to finish, does the Albert story end with you getting QPR back in the Premier League? And how long do you think it will keep going after next season?
1: I mean, the story will end, obviously, when I retire. But if it happens that I get promotion with QPR, I think that will be icing on the cake because that's the team I support. For the guys that don't know, that's the team that I support. That's the area I grew up. And it's my local side. And I'm back in London playing for them. And if we do get promotion to the Premiership, that would be amazing. And I still believe that I played for a good three four seasons. Like I told people, my shirt number was it's, it's, um, 37. So I had to reach my shirt number, 37 and 33. So i still got four good years to go. If I'm fit and healthy, then I can still reach that target. And if I can carry on, I'll carry on. If not, then I'm going have to just come back to Barnet and coach Barnet one
3: day. Oh, <laughs> Can't wait for that. <laughs> i that exclusive.
1: <laughs> <wait for> that. <laughs> I, if Tony's listening, Tony, i got my badges, you know. i got my B, I've got my A, so just bear me in mind.
2: Oh, brilliant. Albert, look, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think we'll definitely be keeping an eye on QPR's results next season, hoping that dream comes to fruition. And like we say, you know, uh, we'll continue to enjoy you on social media, and our, our listeners are going to absolutely love this. A, a true Barnet legend. We can't thank you enough for your time this evening.
1: I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. And to all the supporters, thank you for all those that supported me during my time, my freeze at Barney. It was just unbelievable. And to the chairman as well, thank you for signing me. Thank you for giving me this professional contract and Paul Firclaff as well. I appreciate all your help that you helped me with. And even Ian as well. And then H, Gary Green. I, I appreciate all the support that you guys gave me. And I hope that you guys listen to this and to the supporters, it's the really love that I can show and I can't wait to hopefully come back one day if it's at the Hive to watch the game with the supporters. That would be amazing. And obviously, I haven't had time to come down because I'm still playing when Barnet's playing. And I always got Barnet. I always follow Barnet on my um, Sky app. Do you see?
3: Yeah. That's
1: yeah, yeah. Obviously, ask my main team at the bottom, but there's teams that I follow. It's always Barnet, you know, because that's the club that gave me the platform. So... I have to love them, follow them. I know they're struggling, but I hope that hopefully next season they do well. And once again, I appreciate the love that you guys have shown me, the supporters. Thank you very much. And hopefully we can mingle one day.
2: Yeah, I hope that. And I, I don't know about the other two joining in, but I'm finishing off the only way that we should do. Albert, Sorry. Albert, 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 Albert. Albert, 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 <laughs> Albert. <number two>. Albert,
1: <laughs> Albert,
0: Albert. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Take
3: Robinson on. He's brilliant. And there's goal of the season. Frank Murphy. Giuliano Grazzioli. Oh, absolute
2: quality.
1: I'm sure most people would say I was mad. It's safe. Brilliant
2: second. Please. This stuff from Curry. Not a bad try.